Chapter Forty of Geographical Reader, Europe by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter Forty: Venice. We take ship at Corinth and steam out through the Gulf of Patras into the Mediterranean Sea. The sky is bright, the water is a deep blue, and in the bright sunlight the mountains seem to be dusted with silver. We sail in and out among the Ionian Islands and then turn to the north and are soon going through the strait of otantro into the adriatic we sail up this long narrow sea for two days coasting by albania and the independent little country of montenegro and on the third morning find ourselves at anchor in front of a great city which seems to rise up out of the waves there are thousands of buildings apparently resting in water which flows through the streets and washes the walls of the houses there is water to the right and water to the left between the city and the shore and by climbing up the mast of our steamer we can look over and see water behind the city and still the shore is everywhere but a few miles away it is low and marshy on the water's edge but farther back the land rises and away off in the distance is a wall of high mountains their peaks covered with snow those mountains are the italian alps the other side of which we explored while in switzerland and the country off which we are lying extending hundreds of miles to the westward and southward is the great kingdom of italy which we are now to explore the city in front of us is venice the queen of the adriatic a mighty port which has grown up on about one hundred little islands away out here in the sea the islands have bridges connecting them they are covered with houses and are so cut up by canals that the water itself seems to form the foundations of the city the canals are the streets our steamer sails up into one of the wildest of these water highways it is the grand canal an avenue of water wider than one of the boulevards of paris filled with barges launches and all sorts of queer little boats moving to and fro in venice almost all the traffic is carried on by boats there is not a dray a cart nor a carriage in the whole city there is not a cow nor horse there are not even the little donkeys of which we saw so many in greece the hucksters and vegetable peddlers go about in boats from door to door stopping under the kitchen windows to cry out their wares the cargo from the steamers is taken in barges to the factories and warehouses people go calling in boats and many of the children use boats in going to and from school the houses rise abruptly from the canals and you can step from your house right into your boat there are no front yards back yards or side yards and a venetian boy never swings on his father's front gate the streets are usually back of the houses they are narrow stone pavements bordering the canals and are for foot passengers only they wind in and out crossing the canals by bridges so arched that boats can pass under them and in our walks we shall be always going up and down hill but see those odd-looking boats coming out to the steamer they are long and narrow and turned up at the ends with a little cabin in the centre they are painted black and the only sign of colour about them is in the bright cushions which can be seen through the cabin windows those are gondolas the water cabs of venice in which we shall make our trips through the city at the stern of each boat stands the gondolier, who
who is sculling it along with an oar which he twists from side to side swaying to and fro as he does so we motion to one of them to come to the ship and give us a ride through the city the gondolier moves his boat to the gangway he helps us aboard and we step inside the cabin he then takes his place at the stern and we soon hear the splash 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 of his oar as he sculls us on through one street after another we move up the grand canal among craft large and small past palaces which have been turned into hotels and warehouses by great factories with humming machinery and on by the homes of the people where families are sitting out on their balconies chatting and enjoying the air now we are floating under the parlor windows of a magnificent house and the music of a piano comes down to us we hear the soft strumming of a guitar in the hands of one of a pleasure party rowing toward us while the cries of hucksters peddling vegetables fish and fruits from other boats sound loudly over the water we tell the gondolier to turn into the smaller canals and are soon floating through alleys so narrow that we can touch the stone walls on either side the high houses shut out the sun and the water seems black in the shadows while our walled road is roofed with a strip of blue sky what a lot of strange things are going on in the canal we see men and boys in swimming suits diving down into the water and floating about here are the playgrounds of the children every boy in venice must learn to swim and the little ones take to the water like ducks there is a boy now diving out of the side window of his house and there is another crawling about of the water to the front door there are women washing clothes on the steps of their houses and drying them on the roofs or on ropes stretched from one house to another across the canals farther on are some children in boats and beyond them are passenger boats going from one part of the city to another leaving the smaller canals we come again into the grand canal our gondola rocking up and down in the waves of the larger boats passing near it we stop for a moment to look at a great marble bridge which crosses the canal from one island to another this bridge is the rialto one of the most famous bridges of the world it is more than three hundred years old and was formerly noted as one of the business centers of venice it swarms with foot passengers from daylight to dark it is so wide that shops have been built upon it and passing over it is like going through the aisle of a department store where men women and children are shopping we buy some oranges of the fruit peddlers at the end of the bridge and then step down into our gondola and glide onward past some of the finest buildings of the city to the hotel our hotel is in one of the old palaces we walk up marble steps and go into wide halls floored with mosaic our bedroom is enormous it has a stone floor and its walls and ceiling are covered with paintings so that angels and cupids are looking down upon us from above as we awake in the morning almost all the houses of venice are built of stone brought in ships from the mainland in many instances cedar piles were driven down into the sand to make the foundations as in amsterdam and st petersburg and upon them these great stone structures were built on account of the dampness stone and cement are still used for the floors layer after layer being put on until a thick floor is formed the last layer is composed of fine bits of colored stone carefully fitted together and so rubbed down that it forms a mosaic 
as smooth as polished marble or glass venice is celebrated for this sort of stonework the venetians make not only floors and walls of mosaic but also the most beautiful jewelry and pictures one picture often containing thousands of bits of colored stone and glass so fitted together that you cannot see the joints and might suppose that the colors were put on with a brush we spend several days in studying the industries of venice we visit the glass works the mosaic works and the factories where they are weaving beautiful silks and cloths of all kinds we frequently go to the square of st mark's to look at the famous cathedral and the four bronze horses which stand high up on its front and also the famous bronze lion on a tall column nearby when i said there were no horses in venice i meant only flesh and blood horses the horses of st mark's are of metal and hence do not count yet they have probably travelled more than any live horses you know they are supposed to have once adorned one of the triumphal arches of nero the emperor of rome the romans considered them so beautiful that they took them to constantinople when that city became the capital of the roman empire later venice conquered constantinople and brought the horses back here when napoleon overran italy he carried them to paris there they remained until he lost his empire when they were brought back to venice the square of st mark's is the largest square in the city and about the only place where there is much room for strolling about it is walled on three sides by buildings which seem one vast marble palace blackened by age and the weather with this square in the centre on the other side of the square is st mark's cathedral the lower stories of some of the buildings are occupied by shops and cafes which open out upon arcades where in the evening thousands of men women and children walk to and fro there are tables and chairs in the square and people sitting at them eating ice cream and drinking coffee chocolate or wine while they listen to the music of the military bands which play there four nights a week more interesting than this is an event which occurs every afternoon at just two o'clock when grain is scattered over the stones and the pigeons come by the thousands from all parts of the city to eat it we are late in arriving and find the square filled with these beautiful birds we buy a little bag of corn from an old woman peddler and throw out several handfuls stooping down as we do so the pigeons swarm over us they light upon our heads shoulders and backs and even eat from our hands we must be careful how we treat them for if we should kill one we might have to go to jail for six months this feeding the pigeons is one of the old customs of venice the people love them for it is said that once when the city was in danger it was saved by a letter brought by a carrier pigeon at another time we are told venice gained a great victory over its enemies by information obtained in a similar way we spend some time in wandering about st mark's cathedral which is one of the finest of europe and then go through the palace of the doge in which the venetian council set centuries ago when the city was a republic from the second story of the palace we cross the canal to the prison nearby upon the bridge of size it is a covered stone passageway through which the criminals came to be tried and punished we stop here a moment while our guide reads the verses from byron's poem which refer to the city i stood in venice on the bridge of size 
a palace and a prison on each hand i saw from out the waves her structures rise as from the stroke of some enchanter's wand a thousand years their cloudy wings expand around me and a dying glory smiles o'er the far times when many a subject land looked to the winged island's marble piles where venice sat in state throned on her hundred isles even the foundation of venice is interesting it was started by the veneti who lived near the coast on the mainland when the barbarians under attila came over the alps into italy and took rome the veneti fled for refuge to these sandy islands and here built their little homes at first they caught fish and sold them they evaporated the salt from the water and after a time built up a great business in fish and salt which were then in even greater demand than at present as they grew richer they began to trade in other things they sent out merchant vessels and soon became the chief commercial people of the mediterranean their islands were situated at the head of the adriatic sea hither goods could be most easily brought by water to be sent across the low passes of the alps this gave the venetians a great trade with northern europe their ships soon went to all parts of the mediterranean sea and the black sea and in time out through the strait of gibraltar to england france holland and belgium in the middle ages the fine goods from asia were brought overland to the mediterranean ports and thence shipped to venice from here they were carried across the alps to the rhine and from there to all parts of northern europe other goods were sent back in exchange and venice increased in wealth factories of various kinds were established and as the venetians were skilful their city soon became a noted manufacturing centre it grew more and more powerful and in the fourteenth century it was an independent republic it had its own army and navy and made war on other cities and took some of them its merchants were among the richest of that time and they owned three thousand trading vessels which carried their goods to all parts of the known world this was at the time of the crusades when all europe was excited because jerusalem and the tomb of our saviour were in the hands of the mohammedans and armies of soldiers were formed to go to the holy land to redeem the city one of the best ways thither was by way of venice so that for many years a stream of soldiers poured through the city adding thereby to its wealth it continued to grow until the route to india around the cape of good hope was discovered after that it was found that goods could be brought more cheaply from asia by sea and the trade of venice began to decline the discovery of the new world by columbus was another blow to the prosperity of the city for this brought the atlantic ports into prominence and now there are several ports on the mediterranean which have more commerce than venice and scores of cities in the world which are richer and more powerful venice has now less than two hundred thousand people although it has grown through the opening of the suez canal by which it has regained some of its asiatic trade a railroad has been built which connects it with the mainland and goods from asia now come by way of the canal to venice and are sent on through the tunnels in the alps to central and northern europe End of chapter forty